Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you remember in the, the late 80s, there was a, a Saturday Night Live sketch? It was uh, Dana Carvey and uh, the other guy. Who was the other guy? It was Dana Carvey and uh, some other guy. The Hans and Franz sketch? Oh, Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. They had Hans and Franz. Bigger, more. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And it went something like this I am Hans, and this is Franz, and we're here to pump you up. So hear me now, or hear me later, or maybe next week even. I see lots of girly men out here. Yeah, lots of girly men. You eat your donut and your coffee. Man, you're such girly, man. You know, I see flabby, you know? So what we're going to do is we're going to take some of your flab, wrap it around that tree, and some of your flab, wrap it around that tree, make a flab a hummock. Hans and Franz, because we're here to pop. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So I need some volunteers. I need a volunteer here. Who would like to be my little volunteer? Hosanna. Check me out a little. Come on, Hosanna. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Hosanna. Hosanna, we know what we're going to do. We're going to pump you up. So I have weights for you, Hosanna. Can you lift these weights? So you need to lift them like this. <laughs> Can you do that? Sure, I think you can. Yeah, yeah, so go, go and lift weights. Oh, yeah, yeah, turn around. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're so strong. Oh, I feel the muscles. I feel the muscles right here. Oh, yeah, oh, you're getting so much stronger there, Hosanna. Oh, yeah, yeah, now can you do the bicep curl? I will help you. Yeah, go like this. It's biceps. Because the girls, they like the biceps. Yeah. yeah, we do the biceps. The boys do too. They, they don't talk about it, but they do. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you feel the burn? You can feel the skin stronger right here? Yeah, I can feel a muscle right there. It's huge. It's not as huge as mine, but this is getting large, very large. Oh, yeah, it's very good. Very good. So, Hosanna, I have a question for you. How do you get stronger? Do you know how you get stronger? What do you have to do to get stronger and get pumped up like me? <laughs> eat your vegetables, yeah, yeah, eat your vegetables, that's very good, yeah, yeah. And what else do you need to do to get stronger? You lift the weights, yeah, yeah. And what happens if you lift stronger weights? If you lift heavier weights, you get bigger muscles, yeah. I lift pickup trucks <laughs> with my pinky. Off so I can retain whatever dignity I have left. <laughs> so we are in our Get Healthy sermon series here. The theme today is building muscle, where it's all about getting stronger. It's all about getting you pumped up. That's what it's about here. And so Hosanna was right. The way to get stronger is to lift a heavier burden. That's how you get stronger. 
That's the only way you get stronger. Oh, fruits and vegetables, they're good. That was, that's a good answer to it. You gotta eat right and get good rest. It's all very important. But nothing's gonna happen unless you lift some weights. You gotta carry some burdens. And the heavier burden you carry, the stronger you are. So I wanna ask you this question, who's the strongest person who ever lived? And this is church, so you know the answer, because the answer in church is always the same. It's like Sunday school. Who's the strongest person who ever lived? Jesus. Jesus, right? Because that's always the answer when you're in church, right? If someone asks you a question, you're in church, you don't know the answer, you just say Jesus. I went to a Lutheran school growing up. We would answer Jesus for everything. <laughs> you know, multiplication table, you just write Jesus, right? And they weren't going to mark you wrong, you know? It was wonderful. Jesus is the strongest person who ever lived. He's the strongest person who ever lived because he carried the biggest burden. He carried us. He carries your sin and mine. It says this, uh, these great words in 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Jesus loves you and carries your burdens. And he invites to say, drop your anxieties, your worries, your fears. Drop them on him. Carry them. And he'll carry them because he cares for you. It's a heavy burden. And he wants to carry it. You've been carrying it for far too long. Let Jesus help out. He's able He's strong enough. He wants to do it. We hear these great words in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you have been carrying some heavy yokes, some heavy burdens. Jesus says, drop them on him. He'll carry them. He'll pick them up. He'll pick you up. Again, John 15. Greater love is known than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That's the type of love Jesus has for you. That he carries not just your cares, your worries, and anxieties, he carries your sin. And he takes them to the cross, and he dies there for them. He dies there for you. So you might know his mercy and his love and his grace. He is the strongest man who ever lived. Because he rose from the grave. And he conquered that sin, and he conquered death. And he did it for you. We have this in 2 Corinthians 5. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus takes all of our sin to the cross, and he dies, and he pays for it there, and he leaves it there, so that you might become the righteousness of God. That's quite the burden. And it's been carried for you. It's already done. It is finished. It's been accomplished. There's no better gift than that. Ever. It's all for you. 
See, huge muscles don't necessarily denote strength. There's a strength that's much more enduring and much more powerful. And so the mission of the church, the mission of Gracious Savior in 2016 as we go into this voters meeting, the mission for as long as God sees us through until he comes back is this. To proclaim the incredible resurrection power of Jesus and his merciful lifting burdens of sin. And to walk with others and help them carry their burdens in life. If we stop right there, if we say the mission of the church is is to just proclaim Jesus, that's great, but we're not fulfilling the complete mission. Because there's a mission also to share that love of God, both in word and in deed. And Jesus talks about that in our gospel lesson for today. He talks about visiting those in prison, about feeding the hungry. That there is a mission that the mercy of God extends and not just to say, Jesus Christ died for you. But Jesus Christ died for you and loves you. And so do I. And what does that look like? God invites you to carry burdens. So anyone who's here who says the church is here to help me is absolutely correct. But also, the church is here to help you care for others. So I want to ask you this question. What burden has God called you to lift? What burden has God called you to lift? In other words, as we sang in the song today, the opening song, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What do you see in our world today and you think to yourself, that's not right? It shouldn't be like that. Something is incredibly wrong. And we've known this since the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and two chapters later, we messed it up. And we've been broken ever since. What do you see that breaks your heart? And some of you know the answer to this right away. Because you're, you're active in that area. It breaks your heart and you are compelled to do something. And it's hard because the things that break your heart are huge issues. And you look at it and you think, there's nothing I could possibly do to fix this issue. And you're absolutely right because God fixes things. We don't fix things. We just walk with others and help carry burdens. As I like to say, God is the cure giver. We're just caregivers. But what breaks your heart? And some of you know this answer right away. And others of you, you aren't quite sure. Not sure. You're like, oh, I, don't, I don't really know. You never asked it. And so I want to encourage you to, to ask that question this week. What breaks my heart? But what do I see that, that I grieve over? What do I see that I get mad about? Sometimes that's a response. I think there's a thing as, as righteous anger. And when you see something that breaks your heart and breaks God's heart, it's okay to get mad about it. Don't stay there, though. Do something. It breaks your heart. 
And some of you know the answer to this question. And the answer is this. Nothing breaks your heart. I mean, you see issues out there and you're like, yeah, that's bad. But I can't get too worked up about it. Some of you are asking this question right now and nothing's really coming to you. And the one possible reason might be this. That nothing breaks your heart because your heart's already broken. It's hard to to have your heart broken over someone or someone else when you're sitting there going, golly, I'm still recovering from something else. And there might be a, a callousness or a hardening, a protective barrier, if you will. You kind of go, I just can't go there. Because if I go there, it hurts. And so I don't go there with anybody because it's safer that way. And if this is you, I want to humbly offer some, some, some ideas. And the first is this. Jesus heals your hurts. Jesus heals you. <clears throat> Jesus heals you physically, and creation speaks to that. But Jesus heals you emotionally and spiritually as well. And this is how he does it. His death on the cross takes away the guilt of all of your sin. Not some of it. Not just the ones that aren't too bad. Jesus' death on the cross takes away the guilt of all of your sin. All of it. This is the stuff you've never told anyone else. That stuff, the stuff you wish you could take back, that stuff, Jesus heals that. And his blood is sufficient for you. And his grace is all-encompassing for you. Jesus heals you. But more than that, his acceptance and love removes the shame of the sin done to you. Some of you have broken hearts because of what's happened in the past to you. And it's stuff that's hard to get over. And Jesus, he humbles himself. And he extends grace and acceptance. Because he loves you. He loves you. The cross is proof of that. Jesus is the strongest person who ever lived. And he can take it. Take the guilt, he can take our shame, and even more, his incredible grace and forgiveness to you enables you to let go and to move on and to forgive. Sometimes that's the hardest part, right? You're like, oh man, if I could just get back, oh. and it's like that anchor holding you down, and there's an anger, there's a bitterness. Jesus' forgiveness for you. And his grace slowly erodes that away. So the first thing I want you to know is this, that Jesus heals you. The second thing I'd like to submit to you today is this, that Jesus sometimes heals slowly. Sometimes. Sometimes you have that experience like uh, if you read the book Unbroken with uh, Zampini. 
and Jesus' grace washes over him, and he's able to forgive immediately. And that happens sometimes. It's, it's pretty incredible when it does. But it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes Jesus' healing is slow. And you wish it wasn't like that, you know? You wish it'd just be healed, done, done, moving on, whoosh, yeah, I'm good, moving on. Thanks for the jolt, I'm good, God. We're going forward, right? And Jesus doesn't always heal like that. But just because the rehab is slow doesn't mean the surgery didn't work. We've all had slow rehabs, right? It's just like, oh man, I wish I could get better quicker. And you don't. The rehab's slow. But just because the rehab's slow doesn't mean it didn't work. It's just slow. And he walks with you. When the rehab's slow, it's easy to focus on the lack of progress. When the rehab is slow, it's easy to go, to go back to the guilt, to relive the shame, to uh, relive the hurt. So Jesus encourages you to focus on him. Don't focus on the issue, or the diagnosis, or the problem. Focus on the healer. on the healer. And he will see you through. My friends, the tomb is empty. Sin is paid for. Satan is defeated. He will see you through. It's promised. And Jesus invites our broken hearts to help and heal others. Jesus is healing your heart. And Jesus loves you, and that will never change. He invites you with your broken heart to help heal others. There's the page there. And sometimes we're waiting. We're waiting to feel like we're in a position that we have the time, or the gifts, or the energy, or the health. And if you're in that position, you might be waiting a really long time. If you're like, I'm going to help, I'm gonna, when my God breaks my heart over an issue, or a person, or someone, then I'll step in. And you're like, but my heart can't get broken over that until I get healed, but that might be a quite a while. And so God invites invites to say, no, I'm just going to step in now. I'm going to step in now with my broken heart to help someone else's brokenness. Jesus invites you in the midst of your brokenness to help someone else. Because sometimes lifting someone else's burden helps make yours lighter. Have you noticed that truth? When you lift someone else's burden, it makes your burden lighter. Is that phenomenal how how God works that out? Sometimes people say to me, God, you must have it all together. You're a pastor. It's, it's goofy. I'll be on, I've had the experience of being on airplane flights. And I'll, someone's sitting next to me. And they'll, uh, invariably they'll say something like, so what do you do? Right? I feel like saying, well, I, I'm a good eater. And I'm a good napper. And I like to take naps. That's what I do. But uh, what they mean is, what do you do for a living? So I say, I'm a, well, I'm a pastor. And one of two things will happen when I say that. One, they'll go, oh, 
And it's like, start reading the book really fast. You're like, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, right? The other thing that happens is they start confessing everything on the plane. I'm like, you know, there's other people listening. Are you cool with this? And, uh, and they'll start just saying everything and like marriage issues and past issues and, and they're going on. And, and in my head, I'm like, why are you telling me all this? <laughs> we just met two minutes ago. And they'd be like, well, you've you got a connection with God. You can, you can you know, talk to the big man about this. And I'm like, you know, you know why I have a connection with God? Because I'm broken and I know I need him. No, I need him. And that's all I got. So out of my brokenness, let me offer you Jesus. Because I have nothing else to give. And nothing else worth sharing. But I know Jesus. And I know he loves you. Paul put it this way, beautifully, in 2 Corinthians 4. It's a little small. You read it. We have this treasure... In jars of clay. Feeble, easily broken jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So that death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul's saying this. Well, I'm a mess. Physically, I'm a mess. Death is at work in me. But because of Jesus, I get to share something incredible with you. And this broken earthen vessel that's leaking all the time. Let me show you what I have. Let me share with you one who loves you so much and conquers uh, guilt and removes shame and gives his presence and love for you. Let me share with you Jesus. beautiful so what breaks your heart breaks your heart there's lots of options out there God's creation is polluted people are going hungry marriages are crumbling children are neglected and abused people are lonely on a planet with 6 billion people There are lots of things that break God's heart, but I'll tell you what breaks his heart the most. What breaks God's heart the most is people who've been given his amazing grace, his incredible forgiveness, his empowering spirit, and not sharing it with a single soul. That's what breaks God's heart the most. So what breaks your heart? Who do you know that needs the love of Jesus? Well, well, you do. Jesus loves you and that will never change. Paul said this, 
Romans chapter 8, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor all, anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that phenomenal? That's Jesus' love for you. Don't keep it to yourself. My goal here this morning is is to pump you up. (laughs) It's to pump you up. And what you need, God's provided. And you may not feel that today. And that's all right. Because Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And He is healing you in your brokenness. And in the midst of that, He invites you to go out and allow your heart to be broken again. Because we live in a world that's dying without Jesus. And those people are all around you. At your house, your family, at work, next door neighbor, good friend. And the only illustration of Jesus they may ever see is you. And you may think, what can I do? I say Jesus loves me this I know the Bible tells me so that it wants to him belong they are weak I am weak he is strong amen and the peace of God which passes all understanding May it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Stand and praise our God.